So I'm reading from Romans 12, uh, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Now, as I said, we're going to, because of the dedication service, look at this with regard to children and parents and families. Now, he starts by saying this, though. I just want to go over this passage briefly. If you want to hear the rest of the passage gone over in great detail, then it's what I'll preach on tonight, so you're going to have to go to the podcast and listen to that. So, good. That's your, that a part of your homework. There's more, more to come. But... In light of the gospel, that's chapters 1 to 11. Paul has laid out the gospel in an incredible way. And what you might not have realised is that we've had 11 chapters and there's only been two times that he's given any sort of command about what to do. He's just said, this is what God's done, this is what God's done, this is what God's done, this is what God's done. Okay? Um, But now he suddenly turns and we're going to have commands constantly. Uh, do this, do that. And, and it all hinges on this one point. In light of the mercy of God, in light of the gospel, this is how you should live. Okay? So it doesn't matter really what behaviour or what thought pattern or what work or whatever you do, it's got to hinge on in light of the mercy of God and the gospel. If it doesn't, it'll be mixed up, it'll be messed up. Okay. Offer your bodies. Oh, what does he say? In light of the gospel. So the gospel is the motivation, it, but it's the power in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not actually we're just making ourselves better people. That's not, that's not the truth of God. Okay. Offer your bodies, that's all that you are, all of your life, every bit of you, as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice doesn't make much sense because the sacrifice is always killed. (laughs) But in other words, all of your life is given to God. And in one sense, there's a death to yourselves in that. Okay, You die to yourselves because you're dying to your dreams and you're dying to your own desires. But you you are still living in all that you do for God. And it is your, it says, uh, your true and proper worship The Greek actually says it's your logical worship. Like if Jesus has done all of this for you, there's only one sensible option left, that you give your whole life as an act of worship to God. Okay? Every bit of you. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Now, don't conform. Now, the Greek in both of these is in the passive. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Okay? Don't let the world just push you and shape you and, 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 and make you into what it is. Okay? But let yourself be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. And how does the renewing of your mind come? Holy Spirit and 
Reading the word. Beautiful. Ah, oh, listen. That's. I know. This front row. They're excellent. The truth of Scripture in the power of the Holy Spirit transforms you. Now, in this case, to be good children and parents and grandparents and brothers and sisters in the church and and all of that. But I'll remind you of this. All Scripture is God-breathed, right? So, okay, open to whatever page you like. It's God-breathed, okay? All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, you are all going to come across passages when you read the Bible and go, that's hard. It, the problem with that, whenever we come to the problem with the Bible, it's not often that we go, I don't understand that. The problem often is that we do and we just don't like what we're getting. Okay? I, I think you should dig deep there on whatever point it is and ask other people and pray about it and say, how does this fit with the rest of Scripture? Because the passages you work hard on, they are the ones that are shaping you to, to transform you to, from your natural thoughts and being from, conformed to the sinful nature and this world. Those bits are the bits that really press in on you where God does the most work. So when you find bits that are hard, push into them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Be transformed. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't love the world and anything in it. That's what John says. Um, He says, do not love what they love. Yep. We are not like the rest of the world. In other words, we allow ourselves to be taken by the power of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God a different direction than the rest of the world's going. Does that make sense? Okay. Don't ache after the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the Holy Spirit and Scripture. But it also means this. We don't switch off our minds in this. We... we, we are, the, the Holy Spirit teaches us through the word in our minds. Because sometimes people say, You've got to, there's this revelation God's going to bring you and it's like it's beyond scripture or above scripture. It's not. He brings his revelation through the Bible in, in the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? And you can understand it with your mind. So if someone starts saying, no, but God told me this, go, well, where does that fit with scripture? And I'm going to work that through. You, know, you understand? Well, Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, work out how this salvation works into every part of your life with fear and trembling. Don't just, don't just accept what people say. Otherwise, you'll be conformed to the world. Okay. And you are transformed to do the will of God. Okay. So in light of that, what I'm going to do is I've just picked and, and this is not a complete study into families in the scripture, but I've picked a number of Bible verses. I'd encourage you to read the whole, you, you know, look up Proverbs for a start because there's so much in Proverbs. The, the basis of the book is an older, wiser person teaching younger people. That, that's what the heart of it is. So we're going to start there. But I also want you to know that when I'm talking today about children and parents and families, just because we're doing a dedication with some young kids, I'm not just talking about how 
little kids, how you should train little kids. This is also for adults and everything, okay? So just get that. Proverbs 29.17 says, Discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. How about that? I'll read it again. I'm going to focus on these. Discipline your children and they'll give you peace of mind and make your heart glad. Do you know, we know this. When you discipline your children, your life is more peaceful. Is that true? Yep. Both practically and in heart and mind. Yep. So, and we all know that discipline is really easy. Yeah, right. Okay. That was a joke. Thank you. It's great to have people with a sense of humour from somewhere else. They actually understand. They understand sarcasm. At last, somebody. Okay. You have been given parents. You have been given authority to discipline your children. Do you understand that? And if you've been given authority, that means God's at work through what you're doing. You're not doing this on your own. And there will be rewards from walking with God in disciplining your children. Do you get that? There are rewards. And I want to say this. Disciplining your children is a battleground. There's going to be dead bodies everywhere. (laughs) Well, some days it feels like that. But the more battles there are, the more victories there will be. Okay? And um, in talking to uh, Steph the other day, she said, we had a really good day this day. The day before was a real battle. And I said, do you know that the good day came because of the battle day? Where you stand firm against your children, the enemy. No, no, not, not really the enemy, that's a joke too. Uh, but when you stand firm... And you don't allow the flesh, which they have, they have a sinful nature, to take over. That actually shapes and brings peace of mind and makes your heart glad. Now, every day is never going to be a victory. Do you understand that? Okay? It's always going to be a battle. You're not going to get to the point where, hey, perfect family. Woohoo, 100%. Okay? Unless you can manage to drive the sinful nature completely from your children. Okay. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. This is teaching for children. And forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. In other words, they are a glorious adornment. Children. Now, there's a few here, only a few who are old enough to understand this, but we're going to go with Willie. Thanks, Willie. This is for you. This, is, this passage actually says, stick close to your parents and do what they say, for a start. But it's not just doing what they're told. It's actually saying, obey your parents and honour them. In other words, you know you can do what you're told by dragging your feet and going, mm, whatever. Got to do what I'm told or else I know what's going to come. No, to honour your parents actually means to give them respect and to serve them willingly and uh, in love. Oh, by the way, this is the same for adults who have got older parents too. Yep, this is, this is the same for all. In fact, if you read the Bible, it says children honour parents and it says parents honour your children and it says honour grandparents. Yep, there's, there's honour flowing all over the place. 
In other words, respect and care for and love and you don't do things just out of kicking the can along, towing the line, that sort of thing. Okay? So in Proverbs 17, 6, it says, Children's children, that's grandchildren, are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Now, I don't know if you heard something that was back the front to the way we often hear this, but did you hear that? Parents are a pride to their children in the Lord. Not, you know, we, we have children are the pride of their parents. But in respect and honour and in the Lord and as we live as people who discipline and bring up our children in the Lord, actually parents become the pride of their children and grandparents become the pride of the grandchildren. Can you see that? There's, a, there's a, this, it's not this, what we have. Children, learn to hate your parents and try and rebel against them as early as possible. Okay? This is children, take pride in your parents. Don't just rebel against them. In the Lord, parents are the pride of their children, as the Father is our pride. What does Paul say? Don't boast in anything, but he boasts in the Lord. He loves the Father. He can't stop talking about him because he's the perfect Father. Okay, this is harder if you've got non-Christian parents. And all I can say is this. If you've got non-Christian parents, honour them with all that you can. Okay? There's some things you won't be able to do because you can't honour sin. But apart from that, honour them with all you can. Give them the love and respect in everything possible. Another great passage is from Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 and 7. And Moses is talking to the people. You will know this passage, but it's a great one. He says, These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home or when you walk along the road or when you drive to St George or Toowoomba or when you lie down. And when you get up, in other words, he mentions every part of life. Teach your children the commandments of God all the time. Constantly speak into their lives. Now, in the commandments, it's not just the commandments. It's not just this is the rules. You're not just doing that. You see, you're actually teaching them discipline and you're teaching them grace. You're teaching them the law of God and the gospel all mixed up together. If you just teach the law you will end up with rebellious kids because at the end of the day, they will know they don't have what they need to obey all those commands. You need to teach them the gospel too. So you may discipline them and uh, that may, might mean giving them a smack. We're going on podcast. Ouch. <laughs> but you also teach them grace in that moment. You might you, you discipline them for what they've done wrong and then you tell them, but do you know that there is one who has stood in our place who has taken our sins? Jesus. He has been our substitute. He has taken God's wrath for our sins. You, you've got to teach them that. Otherwise, you'll have those days as parents where you feel like I'm just a broken record. Don't do that and don't do that. I'm going to hit you again for doing that and I'm angry with you for that and I'm angry with you. Know, you know, that's what, that's, well, that's parenting as it looks <laughs> most days. 
Make sure you take the time to teach the gospel, the righteousness that comes through Christ, because that is what they most needs to hear. Now, in this, tell them when you're going down the street, tell them when you're lying down, tell them when you're getting up. It means making opportunities and creating times for parents to teach their children, to be with their children, to relate with their children. Now, uh, we, I, 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 we, we used to try and deliberately, and I, I'm not saying we're very good at it, but to deliberately have times most days where we would have a time of doing something with our children where they had the opportunity to make conversation, where they had the time. And, and I would say, as a rule, about 80% of the conversation is dribble. It, it's about silly stuff, OK? Because that's what kids talk about a lot and that's also what parents talk about a lot. But about 20% of the conversation actually becomes really deep conversation and deep sharing. And if you don't make the time for the 80%, you won't get the 20% because that's actually building trust and building a relationship. So um, uh, otherwise what happens is a parent comes home and and with that half an hour they've got each week to spend with their child and then they want to go into a deep conversation and the kid doesn't want to go there. They're not interested because they haven't got that relationship of trust which comes from talking about all of the normal parts of life. What I'm saying is this, spend time with your children, build a relationship with them, walk with them in the cool of the evening and it's good to make a time or a space for that outside of the normal place of life. In other words, sit on the deck and not be inside. Go for a walk and not be in the house where all the the negative stuff happens. Do Do you understand what I'm saying there? Yep. You do get it? In other words, build a relationship with your children. By the way, that's going to be a great gift as you get older because you'll find that at a certain age, your children will go from being your children to being your friends. And there's nothing better than that. Well, knowing the father, but you understand what I'm saying. It's a great thing. Understand this. Your children are sinners. You don't ever have to be surprised at your children being sinners. You don't have to ever have to say, my child would never do that, because you know they would, just like you did when you were young, okay? <laughs> but you've got to teach, understand this, you will not drive sin from your children. You need to teach them the gift of God in Jesus Christ. So even when it says, uh, Proverbs 22, 6, train a child in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Understand that you can teach them to live good lives. You can't actually shove Jesus into them. You can't do it. You can't make your children Christians because it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. So again, you teach them the commands of God. You teach them the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And you pray for them. Okay. I, 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 in all of this disciplining and understand they're sinful, I, I want to uh, teach you about, uh, tell about a doctrine which I've found around this area, and, I, and it's one I really, it really, it rings my bells in a bad way, and I do want to talk about it because uh, I think it's really unhelpful. And I call it the doctrine of young fellas. Have you heard this? 
so-and-so, the 18-year-old, the 20-year-old young fella, he did this, he went off and he did that, but he's just a young fella. That's what young fellas are allowed to do, aren't they? They're allowed to get drunk, fall over, have a bit of a fight, sleep around, maybe even rape someone. Who cares? They're only young fellas. They're not responsible. What's it matter? I pushed it a bit far there, didn't I? No, because you see, that's the heart of it, is to say... (laughs) There is it's an excuse for being bad for bad behaviour comes because you're you're an immature twenty three year old or something like that. Okay, it's actually sin. Teach your children, sons and daughters, to be responsible adults, and start teaching them to be responsible adults about the time of two, because from the time of, of zero to two, they're kind of useless. They they just do kid things, you know. But from two onwards, you are training them to leave home and be responsible adults. Yeah? Yep. You're teaching them to serve and not be selfish and to love and to put others above themselves. So they're not just going to get to 18, 20 and just fly off the handle and do whatever they like. Okay? And as parents, it is brutal to keep exposing the flesh. But keep exposing it. Keep calling it out. Because they are sinners. And understand this also. In, the, in New Testament times, you were an adult when you turned 12. And actually a 12-year-old has all that they need, if they've been trained right, to live as a responsible adult that serves and loves others. And it's not all about themselves. So, so you understand that takes away the problem of teenagers, doesn't it? Because they're already adults. We live in a culture which has 36-year-old babies who live at home and play video games. Yeah? That's true, isn't it? Yeah? Well, I reckon by 12-year-old they can start actually being a responsible adult because it was 12-year-old that Jesus said in the temple, I'm now about my father's business. Yeah? So he'd actually moved out of home authority-wise from his parents at that age. Right. Psalm 27, verse 10. I'm going to spend more time on this. How are we going for time? Am I? Great. Great. Okay, you happy with me doing what I'm doing? Yeah, keep going. You did tell me when I know. This one may or this passage may or may not be about people in this room, so that's good. Psalm 27, verse 10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Okay, I might be forsaken and my parents might not be doing the best job ever, but the Lord will take me up. There is a fear in parents. Three, I'm going to give you three fears, okay? Number one, that will ruin our children. No one in this room thinks that, do they? Number two, that we will die or they will die. No one has that fear, do they? Right? Number three, that evil people and the government will destroy our children and tear them away. Okay, three real fears that people have. Okay, understand this. As parents, you do what you do and you do the best you can, but God is the main doer. The Lord will take me up. Okay, I think Jody and I, for years, we always thought that we'd die. But I don't know why. The devil, well, I do know why. The devil tries to exercise the fear of death. He tries to put it in your mind. You're going to die and your children are going to be left 
destitute and they'll be brought up by wolves or something like that or, or even worse, bad people. Um, we could have died, but understand this. The Lord will take me up. He will care. Isn't he the one who cares for the widows and the orphans? And he does a good job of it. What this means, though, is the hardest thing for parents to do is quite simply this. Have faith. Trust God with you, your lives, your children's lives, to really trust him. Okay? And if you have faith, then you can understand this, that the Lord will take me up, that you cannot ruin your child. Just the same way you can't make them a Christian and make them perfect, you can't ruin them either because there's one above you who will take them up. He is the father. Entrust yourself to him. The main responsibility is pointing them to God who is the ultimate father. Do you understand? So in, in Matthew 23, 8, Jesus says this, but you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and, you are not, and you're all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth father because you have one father and he is in heaven. You are, nor are you be called instructors or teachers for you have one teacher the Messiah. In other words, he is the father, he is the teacher. Make sure you see your place. Yep, you are, you are not. Don't big note yourself and say everything about my children depends on me because it doesn't. There is one who will take them up. There is one above you. You'll know when you're big noting yourself and putting yourself in God's place. This is how you know. You ready? You'll worry. Yep. When you worry, you're putting yourself in the place of God who is the one who ultimately cares for your children and you. Notice that sign and that should help you to do what you really need to do at that time and that's to pray. And you're praying to the one who has ultimate control of everything. So it's a good thing to do. Does that make sense? The peace of God which transcends all understanding that's spoken of in Philippians 4 comes when you do what? When you pray. That's about handing it over to God. Okay. Kick it up the authority line. That's what it's doing. You're here, kids are here and God's up here. And you're trying to take ultimate responsibility. Kick it up to him. He knows what he's doing. Number two, death. God will take them up in his arms. He will care for them if you die. Okay. Jesus was on the cross and when he was on the cross, he honoured his mother at that point, remember, where he pointed out John and he said, John, you're to care for uh, my mother from now on because it was the care that he should have brought. Understand this, God will do the same for you. Parents, kids, God is is ultimately, he will take you up. And thirdly, as for the government, and this is a really interesting one, But understand this, Jesus is in control of all government of this world. He is the higher authority, okay? He ultimately keeps his children safe. This doesn't mean, when we say submit to ruling authorities, it doesn't mean that they're always right. And and I'm always interested by this, but Jesus did say this, give to Caesar what's due to Caesar. So pay your taxes, do what's right with the government. But also there was this other point where he said, you know Herod, that fox? Yeah? And a fox at that time meant a deceiver of the people, a person of cunning. Sounds a lot like a politician, doesn't it? 
Jesus didn't trust Herod. Okay? We know what they're like. The whole world's under the power of the devil, says John. But we know who rules over them. Keep that in mind because nothing will be completely lost because God is in ultimate control even of the foxes of this world. So submit to him. And understand also, just as a, as a, a, a Christian, the, the, devil, sorry, the, the government and the rulers of this world do try and rule over us in bad ways. They, they do try and exercise evil, but not everything is that. Okay, There will be persecution. You will face persecution for being a Christian, but not everything you face, which is your personal preferences, like, I mean, I, I didn't bring this on purpose, but it happens to be here. Okay, let be persecuted about Jesus and not wearing a mask, okay, because that's a personal preference. Do you understand? Let it be about the gospel that you face persecution. Expect it. Don't let it be about moralism, okay? Anyway, I've done that point. Understand this. Have faith in the, in the God who will take you up and... You will not ruin your children, okay? Have faith. We will, we will all die one day. Trust God. Trust God even with evil governments, okay? I want to just step back a bit just for a second and see this. God's whole plan for humanity is to bring about a family for himself. That's why it's called the Father. That's why Jesus is called the Son. He's not just a God who's doing stuff universally in power, sovereignly, because he's a control freak. He is actually about making and building a family for himself that will be gathered at the end, at the feast, where the Father is there, and it's good. What I'm saying here is God is actually on about families. He loves families because that's what he is by nature. He is by nature Father. And so what Christian parents do is represent the father to their children. So to understand what the father's like in holiness would mean that you discipline your children. In love and grace would mean you teach them the gospel. Understanding his character is to understand who you are to be to your children. Does that make sense? Think a lot about, meditate a lot about the fatherhood of God. Read Hebrews 12, see who God is there and say, who am I to be to my children in light of that? We should always be asking that. See the character of God. Okay. I'm going very slow here, sorry. Are you all all right? You're staying, you need a two minute break or you? Because I'm I'm almost halfway through. Okay. (laughs) See the family nature of God here in Hebrews 2. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God... So hang on, what's Jesus on about? Bringing sons and daughters to glory, the glory of family. Okay. uh, in, In Ephesians 3, Paul prays to the Father, and this is how he calls the Father. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He's on about building a family with a name. That's at the start of a prayer. Okay. 
Both the one who makes people holy, that's Jesus, and those who are made holy are of the same family. That's Ephesians two, uh, sorry, Hebrews 2.11. So Jesus is not afraid, to, not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. See what he's doing? He is calling people into a family and that is what life is about. And so he says to the father, here I am and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Jesus did what he did in the plan of the Father to bring a family about. So families are central to God's plans. Right, still going all right? Good. I'm going to keep going because I think it's important stuff and hopefully you'll get it, catch a bit of this. If you read 1 Timothy 5, you get Paul saying there's this honour flow between parents and grandparents and children and everybody and widows and caring for other people and he sort of sums it all up. He says about Christians, they should learn first to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And then in verse 8 he says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If you don't care for your family, as you should, you've denied the faith and you're worse than an unbeliever. That's a really strong thing, isn't it? So fathers, that means... Providing means, yes, providing does mean bringing money in. That's good, right? But don't hide in that. Don't hide in your work to take up the responsibilities that you should do as a father. Do you understand? Uh, don't, take, don't, don't give up taking the harder responsibility. It is harder to discipline your children than it is to dig a whole fence line of post holes with a shovel. Isn't it? And you can actually hide in the hard work of providing and not doing what you're actually called to do. Yeah? Who's, done, who's guilty of that? Right. Okay. Take up the role. Be a lover of your wife. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Well, that's really easy to do, isn't it? How, how hard is that? The best way to love your children is to love your wife, fathers. By the way, the best way to love your children, mothers, is by loving your husband. Because out of the marriage relationship flows the whole family. This is a serious responsibility. This is the hardest work you'll ever do. I mean loving your wife and loving your husband. It takes everything you've got. right? But out of it flows love for the children. And out of that flows the whole family. And, and all of that comes from the God who is the Father and from Jesus who loves his wife and gave himself up for her. You understand? And, and look, I remember men's groups, lots of men's groups, not so much the ones at Deer and Bendy, where when men would sit around and, and whinge about wives that don't submit to their husbands. It's like, it's no wonder they don't. Look how you're living. Yeah? Surely if you loved your wife, you'd make yourself someone worth submitting to. Yeah, Just as the church loves and submits to the Lord and Saviour, the husband, who is Jesus. 
So what I'm saying is out of that family understanding, out of the fatherhood of God, out of the, the husbandhood of Christ, flows all of our familyhood. And when we're getting that right, then living with grace and discipline, it all flows together. Okay. So fathers, and this is something that we see and notice, is you're at a, a function like today and you look over the shoulder and there is a kid beating another one with a stick and the father sees that happen and he does this. I didn't notice that. I hope wife notices that and she deals with that or somebody else, right? Don't be that man, okay? Don't be that man. That's very practical, isn't it? Yep. Because what you're doing is you're not conforming. Be transformed and be part of the transformation of your children. And be perseverant. And that is the hardest thing in families to do. Just got, uh, before I tidy up, one long passage, which I think is really great. And it's from, he- from Proverbs 23. And um, I'm just going it, to, it's about lots of different issues, but hear this. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. There's a lot at stake here. Punish them with the rod and save them from death. My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad indeed. In other words, teach your son or your daughter to be wise. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. In other words... Put a lot of effort into teaching your children to speak what is right. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. In other words, teach your children not to long for what the sinners are doing. Teach them the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Listen, my son, and be wise and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. In other words, they get sloppy and lazy. Why? Because they're feasting and they're getting drunk all the time. They're becoming useless. Teach your children not to do that. Teach your children that's not God's way of life. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she's old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom. Instruction and insight as well. Hang on to the truth. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. For an adulterous woman is a deep pit and a wayward wife is a narrow well. Like a bandit, she lies in wait and multiplies unfaithful among men. Multiplies the unfaithful. Now, okay, great blessings in the family as this works out. He actually nailed, he has two great warnings and they're right through scripture in bringing up children. Drunkenness and sexual weirdness, sexual immorality. That is any sexual act outside of the marriage of a man and a woman. Okay? Okay. Anything outside that. 
Teach your children. You actually have to, because other people are teaching your children about sex from about the age five, whenever they get a chance. You have to actually take up the role of teaching marriage. Teaching, nowadays you've got to teach that there's boys and there's girls. You've got to teach that. Yep. And be strong in it. And pray for them in front of them that one day they'll have a Christian husband or wife, depending if they're a boy or a girl. Teach them about the dangers of this world. You've got to do it. It's, it's awkward and it's weird. You don't have to teach them about sex when they're five, just because other people are. But you do teach them about the right things of God, marriage. Teach them about marriage. You can teach them about that from time two onwards. Yeah? And teach them when it says about the opposite of drunkenness. Really, It's about having a loose, uncontrolled mind. Teach them to have a self-controlled mind. Teach them not to do as they please, but to be wise. So I'm finishing now simply with two promises that come. Now, all of this is a solemn responsibility. We know that. But the one who calls is faithful and he will do it. You're not doing it on your own. Call on the Lord. So as much as I said, most important thing for children is a good marriage. Most important thing for being a wise parent, be in a relationship with God and put all effort into that. Okay? Because he is the one who saved you. The one who faithful is called, he will do it through you. The promises he will fulfil in you. So, last one. Sorry. (laughs) All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. Know that it is the Lord who teaches your children. I just want to finish by going back to where we started. In view of the mercies of God, don't conform to the world, be transformed. Keep in mind the gospel, the mercies of God at every moment. Keep in mind his salvation and know him as Father. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for the calling you've given us because it comes from your very heart. Thank you that you love us as Father. Thank you that you discipline us. Thank you that you don't leave us in our sin. Thank you that you sent your son to save us when we were hopelessly lost and didn't deserve anything. And I pray that you would teach us in the power of your Holy Spirit what it is to be fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and parents and children. And Father, that in the power of your Holy Spirit, you would guide us and lead us and and move us to live as you've called us to live. And I pray that this would be something that we take up, this solemn responsibility in your power and in relationship with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.